So Jesus taught many things by parables. And um, in his teaching, um, there was a time when he got everybody's attention and said, hey, listen. And he told a story about a farmer. Maybe if he was in Oakland, he would have talked about uh, an urban gardener. We'll just say that uh, there was an urban gardener who went out to sow seed. And uh, some of the seed that he threw out um, landed on the, uh, on the concrete, on the sidewalk. It couldn't break through. And uh, the birds came and snatched up the seed, and it was gone. And uh, I believe this is the uh, state bird of Indiana. Is that right? All right. All right. And then, uh, then some other seed fell on rocky soil. And, um, but since it couldn't take root, since uh, it was all crowded out, um, the seed sprang up pretty quickly. But then the sun came out and scorched the plant. And because the plant had no root, uh, it, what, what, had, what had sprung up quickly withered. And died. And then um, some of the seed fell among, uh, among soil with thorns and weeds, which grew up right alongside the seed. And uh, the thorns and the weeds choked out the plant. But then there was some seed that sprang up um, in good soil. And the good soil uh, received the seed. And uh, the seed got planted. And it, uh, it, uh, the, the seed uh, uh, pr- uh, produced a crop. Um, some, some of it, some of it, thirty, sometimes sixty, sometimes a hundred. What was sown? Even in this guy sprouting up here, each of these seeds here, you could see what got planted here, then springs up, and there's about thirty pods right here, just what Jesus is talking about. And then Jesus said, "Okay, guys, uh, whoever has ears to hear, uh, hope you heard, hope you listened." And uh, then, then when he was alone, uh, the 12, his disciples and some others who were there came up and said, uh, hey, Jesus, I, I was listening, but do you mind maybe like um, reviewing that again? What, what, was, what was that all about? And Jesus said to them, you, don't, you, you didn't understand the story? You didn't understand the parable? How, how are you guys going to understand any parables if you don't get this one? You guys are hopeless. Okay, fine. I'll explain it. Jesus then said, the farmer sows the seed and he says some people are like these different soils they're like different seeds sown along the path where the word is sown for some people um, as soon as they hear the word satan comes and immediately takes away whatever was sown um, in, in in their life and and that's it as, as quickly as it started it was over for others like seeds sown on rocky places um they, they hear the word and people, they receive it with joy. But since they don't have any root, what started only lasts for a short while. Whenever there's trouble or persecution that comes on uh, in their life because of the word, um, they, they quickly fall away. And the thing uh, died as soon as it started up. And then for others, uh, like seed sown among thorns, there's people who hear the word, but then the worries of this life creep in. The deceitfulness of wealth and, and the desire for other things come in. And, and choke out the word and makes it unfruitful. But then there's others who, like seeds sown on good soil, they, they hear the word, they accept it, and, and they produce this crop in their life. Sometimes 30, sometimes 60, sometimes 100 times what was sown in their life. And Jesus says, be careful how you hear. I hope you heard that. I hope you understood. So Jesus, Jesus knew the power of stories. He told stories all the time. He knew that would stick way better than, you know, like a 10-point uh, outline uh, lecture. He just knew a story is going to stick with you and go to work with you. 
we, you and I, we hear a story and we even just automatically start to picture ourselves in the story. We identify with different characters. We, we just, we immediately put ourselves into that story. We start to imagine our part in the story. And um, it's a lot like the last day of, of high school when you got your yearbook. Do you guys remember yearbook day? Um, they still do yearbooks, but I feel like there's a, sh- a shelf life for how, mu- how much longer that's, that's going to happen. I don't know. But remember all the weird pressure around yearbook day about like who was going to sign your yearbook and like who you were going to ask and like who you hoped maybe would ask you. And you like you didn't want to be weird about it, but you were hoping maybe you get to sign their yearbook. And then there's all the weird pressure of like you hope you say the right thing, like something funny or something memorable. And uh yeah, but, but and then and then before the sacred signing ritual took place though, you you everybody crack open their yearbook and, and there's lots of photos of everything that happened all year long at school and there's photos of your friends, uh, some of just like everyday things that happened during the school. There's even like the nicer photo of yourself or even the senior portraits, things like that. And you're looking through that yearbook and people are like all excited about what's happening in the yearbook, but honestly, nobody's saying it, but like who as you're looking through that yearbook, who are you looking for? Looking for yourself. Yeah. Uh, you're not saying it, but you're like, yeah, but uh, this is great. But like, where are the photos of me? I will judge whether or not this was a great yearbook based on like if you captured the me moments. And then, then this, wor- this yearbook was worth my time. But until then, I could kind of care less about what's happening in here. And, and it's, it's like that with, with Jesus' parables. We, we, we hear this story of the four soils and we start to ask, okay, well, where, where am I in, in, in this story? And, and I think all of us hope to be this, this last soil, the good soil that's producing this amazing harvest. And, and you, you think back in, on your life and you go, yeah, yeah, there's, there's definitely been times when I've been that good soil. That's probably me. That's probably me. But Jesus um, tells us about the hard soil and the rocky soil and the thorny soil. And we go, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I know lots of other people like that for sure. Yeah. And I hope those people are listening to this story because those people, they've got some problems, you know. But um, that's called the halo effect, where you and I uh, cast ourselves in a way better light than what's actually true, and our, our self-assessment is far from accurate. Um, Jesus didn't tell this story so to give us just like a little pat on the back and say like you're you're just awesome. There's nothing in your life that needs to change. You do you know you're just you're, you're perfect just the way you are. Jesus told this story to us to to jolt us awake to, to for us to go oh no like maybe what 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 happened in my life. The, the life of God, it, it could get choked out. It could get crowded out. Even, oh my gosh, what if, what if, what if uh, there's those times in my life where maybe God was trying to do something and as I look back, yeah, it seems like the enemy just came and just, and just took that thing. Oh my goodness, I might not be the good soil after all. Jesus, Jesus told us this story so that we can ask, God, is there anything under the surface of my life that is either resisting or competing with or, or choking out what it is that you want to do in me. Because um, a lot of these soils, I mean, in the story, a lot of them, for the most part, they started off well, but then the life of God couldn't sustain. And, and that sets you and I up for failure in the Christian life. What happens, uh, when, when, when this happens to us, we, we end up disappointed and we are angry at God or ourselves or the church or other Christians. We, we sincerely, deeply feel just let down when, when this happens to us. Um, researchers have been noticing a trend of people that are called church leavers or duns. They are, they're just done. Um, they're, they are Christian believers who have reached a point in their life that now they're just like, I'm done. I'm done with church or Jesus or both. 
Um, and these are not people who were atheists. These are not people who are uncommitted. Um, these were sincere followers of Jesus Christ. But then they just they reached some point where they just said, that's it. I'm done. I'm done. I quit. And, 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 and researcher, researchers are, are getting to know them and know their stories and just go, what, what went wrong? What, what happened? For, um, for some of these duns, they, they came to realize slowly and painfully as they looked at their life that they were struggling just as anybody else. People who had, didn't even have Christ in their life, they struggled just as much as anybody else in regards to their friendships or divorces or singleness or parenting or sexuality or addiction or insecurity and just drive for approval, inability to just cope, uh, feelings of failure and depression and anxiety. And, and they felt that just as much at work, at church, at home. And, and they're just done because the, the spirituality that was advertised to them uh, they feel duped. They, it didn't feel like what had been what, had, what everybody was talking about. It, it hadn't delivered in their life. There was no deep Christ transforming life change happening for them, either in themselves or in other people. And so they feel like, man, I just I've just wasted years of my life. And they're angry either at themselves or, or God or, or others. But whatever the case, they're just like, I'm done. I'm just I'm done with this. I'm, I'm going to do something else. There's there's other duns who um, they are, they're sticking it out in a worship community, um, but they aren't really there. Um, they're, they're present in, in body, but their spirit, their, their mind is somewhere else. They're, they're, they're checked out. Um, they, they actually wanted to quit church altogether, but they're holding on for the sake of somebody else. Maybe for their kids. Um, maybe they don't want to let other people down. Um, so it's this thing that they carry secretly and privately inside of themselves for lack of a better alternative or because they don't want to let somebody else down. They're, they're sticking around. They're, they're, they're in a seat. They're present. They're, they're, they're physically engaged, but their spirit is somewhere else. They're, their spirit's left the building. And, and it's a way to protect themselves from further disappointment. Um, they, they, they know something is not right. They know something feels missing just it's like splinter in their in their mind this deep unease in their soul but they, they they can't put their finger on what the problem is so their solution is just i need to protect myself by not by 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 not fully engaging i'm gonna check out i just i can't i don't want to get hurt anymore i don't want to get let down anymore then there's a third group of duns they've got a real problem with other christians um, maybe when it comes to politics, maybe when it comes to things that people have said or done in their lives, um, they've just they've just had enough with other Christians who, despite their knowledge of God, despite how much time they spend in the scriptures or worship or church involvement, no matter how much passion they have, they just look around at other Christians and they go, you guys are just as angry and compulsive and judgmental and defensive and proud and anxious as Anybody else, you don't look like the Jesus that you profess. I'm, I'm embarrassed to be associated with you. I, I, I don't want to be a part of, of this group. You guys are a bunch of fakers. You're a bunch of hypocrites or whatever other label they would put on them. But for the sake of other, because of other Christians, they're just like, I'm, I'm done. I can't be a part of this. So disappointed with a personal lack of transformation or here in body, but checked out in spirit or just sick and tired of untransformed Christians. You ever been there? Has that ever been your state of mind? Yeah, we're an honest group. I appreciate that. We're not a bunch of fakers. Yeah, you, you, you could be feeling that way 
right now. Um, and it was, a, it was a huge battle for you to even get here. You're just like, why bother? And you've got a whole list of, 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 of things where you're just like, I don't know. I don't know. Um, if, if, if I could summarize the spiritual condition of a lot of Jesus followers today, there's a lot of us who feel stuck in our journey with Christ. We just, things have just kind of plateaued. It's just kind of flat, just kind of flavorless. And we're just like, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what's happening. Or so many of us are living off of other people's spirituality, people that we follow on Instagram or certain leaders or speakers or authors. We, we really just kind of feed off of their relationship with God secondhand. Or we just feel just scattered and fragmented and just off-center. Um, so many of us are just weary um, physically, emotionally, spiritually, just, just, just tired, just, just barely getting through. Um, many of us just exist with a, just like a one-inch deep spirituality um, that really hasn't taken root. Um, many of us, if, if you asked us, if we were honest, if we were straight up with you, we, we pray and commune with God very little, like our, our time and energies is, are spent with so many other things. We might feel guilty about that. We might feel like, I don't really know what I can do. This is just how life is, but it's, it's the truth. Many of us are so busy and, and just not very intentional in pursuing Jesus. And, and, and a lot of us are just, especially here in the Bay Area, just the, the, the culture of just being on the run constantly. You always have to be on, always have to be checking the emails, always have to be you know, up to date on what's happening at work always on the road or on BART or whatever. It just never stops. It just never slows down. The list is always there. It's just hard to rest. It's hard to be present to people and present to God. Just Even just our culture that just goes and goes and goes. Any of those things resonate with you guys? Am I the, is it just me? Is that just my journal? What's going on? No? Okay, good. Um, the struggle's real. You're not the only one. And if anything, I hope that's just a comfort to you to know, yeah, other people in the room, that's, that's, that's what they're going through too. Um, too many of us have a relationship with Jesus that's just seriously underdeveloped. Um, we, maybe we, when we pray, we talk to God or we talk at God, but we're not actually listening very much or being just with God. And, and that's really a crisis, especially since God intends for the, for, for the world to experience God's love through me and you. If we're, but, but, but so many of us, we're, just, we're so closed in on ourselves and so focused on the, the, the things that we're dealing with that we can't even begin to look outside of ourselves to other people and, and we're stuck and it really is a crisis. But what if I told you that, yeah, the struggle's real, but um, it's not a lost cause. You are not a lost cause. We are, are, are not a lost cause. Um, I, I want you to listen to this invitation from Jesus um, and just just... Just receive these words as if he's speaking directly to you. He says, uh, come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I'm gentle and humble in heart, and you'll find rest for your souls. For believe it or not, my yoke is easy, and my burden is is light. Now, sometimes it, it helps to hear familiar words in an unfamiliar way. So here's, here's the same thing Jesus said, but now from the message translation. Are you tired? Worn out? Burnt out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me, and you're going to recover your life. I'll show you 
how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I'm not going to lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you're going to learn how to live freely and lightly. Just deep breath in. Just receive that. Isn't that so good? Recover your life. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. That's Jesus' invitation to us this morning and in this season. To live his way. To, to, to live a relaxed, unhurried, contented life in, right in the middle of, of, of this life. It's, it's not a life that is like up on a mountaintop removed from reality. It's, it's, Jesus, Jesus seems to think that he can teach us to do this in the middle of all the real pressures and difficulties that you and I face right here and right now. We don't have to be some hermit out in a cabin in the woods. He's like, no, no, I can, I can teach you how to do this right here in the reality of the pressures that you feel all the time. There is apparently, according to Jesus, a way to surrender to God's love and his will consistently, even when it's going to be difficult to do that. It is possible. Jesus wants to know that even when we get triggered by particular people and particular situations, there's a way that we can still, in the middle of that, remain thoughtful and listening for God's voice and promptings. There's, there's a way for you and I to mature into spiritual adulthood in a way that's anchored in the love of God. And, and there's a way that you and I can start to break out of the shell of just focusing in, in, in and of ourselves. Where we start to concern ourselves with other people and their burdens and their needs. And you and I can give ourselves in service to other people without becoming chronically exhausted in the process. Jesus seems to think that that's possible. How do we do that? Jesus says... I want you to learn from me, eyes on me. I'm going to show you how to do it. I'm going to show you how to live like this. Jesus wants to make us into disciples who are moving slow enough to be present to God our Father, who are, who are really truly awake and surrendered to God's love in any situation, in every situation, that we would become people who hear and commune with God and allowing God to fully well in, in every aspect of our being, that he would really truly make his, himself at home in us, that we would be practicing silence and solitude and living a life of unceasing prayer, connection with God, talking to God, that, that you and I would be moving into this ever increasing union and depth and intimacy and connection with God. That you and I would find our true worth and our identity, not what we do or say or what other people say about us or other standards that they set for us, but instead out of who God says we are. That you and I would become people who our love for other people, um, we're not scraping from the bottom of the bucket. It's actually coming out of this overflow of God's love for us. That you and I would be able to develop a really balanced and harmonious pace of life that makes sense. And we're not just getting yanked around by the, 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 the cultural pace that's set for us. That you and I, just in the most ordinary things, a, a meal, a walk, washing the dishes, that you and I could discern the holy happening all around us in just the most mundane, ordinary things that some, we would just see holy and sacred things are happening all the time. 
that, that you and I, our lives would be shaped by the rhythms of grace instead of cultural pressures, instead of a standard we're never going to be able to meet, instead of a list we're never going to be able to finish. And that you and I would be living in committed community with other people who passionately love Jesus and are, are, are spurring us on and encourage, we're encouraging each other, lifting each other up, helping each other to follow Jesus in this. We're not doing this alone. We're doing it together. You probably, from that list, probably have a favorite Jesus moment or story where Jesus himself is demonstrating one of those things. You've, where he says, learn from me, watch me do it. You could probably think of a moment or a story where you go, yeah, man, whatever Jesus was saying or doing there, that sounds nice. That looks, that looks great. I want that. Pause for, for just a minute and just consider how badly... Do I want Jesus to teach me to be just like that? How badly do I want that? Do I want it enough that other things could take a back seat for a season so that Jesus could teach me that? Another question, um, is, is this kind of life renewal, is it worth the discomfort that would be involved of like taking a good look under the surface of my life and just going, God... Oh, it's painful. I, I don't, I don't want to do it. I don't want to look. I don't want to get into it. But Jesus, is it worth it to take a look at what's under the surface so that we can get to this, so that Jesus could bring real life and healing and renewal? Is it worth it? And then uh, one last question. As, as you're hoping for personal renewal and personal transformation, could you think of what that hope is, whatever that picture is, could you put it into one sentence or one phrase or is there one word that at least gets to maybe a, a little bit of the essence of what, you're, what it is that you're hoping for? Is there a word or a phrase or a sentence that could kind of sum up what you're hoping for, what you're asking Jesus to do when you think about renewal and personal transformation? See if you can think of that word or phrase or sentence. I'll give you a moment. All right, if you've got your word or your phrase or your sentence, um, let's do something we do a lot of times where we, 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 we just kind of come up for air a little bit and chew and on this and process this a little bit with each other. Uh, turn to two of your neighbors and let's share what's our one word or phrase or sentence that sums up. Here's, here's what I'm hoping God can do in my life. All right, let's group up and share what that would be. So Jesus, Jesus invites us to learn the unforced Rhythms of grace. I, I love that part. Um, that's just such a beautiful way to describe what, what I need. Unforced rhythms of grace. Um, I mean, today's so blustery outside. Like, as we were getting ready, there was just all kinds of stuff getting blown off the roof here and blown around in the courtyard. I'm like, that's, that's what I look like inside. That's what I feel like inside. Versus these unforced rhythms of grace. That's what Jesus invites us into. But, but let's not forget, he also warns us that there's things under the surface of our lives that if, if left unaddressed, it's going to block the life of God from taking root and bringing that renewal that we're longing for. And so at reunion, as we follow Jesus, it's not going to be enough for us to pursue spiritual experiences together. <gasps> Andy, you're a pastor. How can you say that? But yeah, seriously, at, at, at reunion, it's not going to be enough for us to pursue authentic spiritual experiences. Things like worship and prayer and Bible study and spiritual formation. These are really important things. 
But the problem, as many of us have found, is that these things were not enough to bring about real change in our lives or in the, in the lives of other people. Stuff can look really great on the surface, but then I don't, I don't know if you guys have had a moment in your life where you've been profoundly disappointed by somebody who maybe was uh, like, a, like a spiritual rock or a mentor or example for you where you looked at them and you're like, I want a faith like that. I want to do what they're doing. I want to be more like like them. I uh, the 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 very pastor who uh, his ministry uh, called me to Oakland in the first place um, was a really cool guy and really uh, um, scripturally knowledgeable and just made just like a really cool church environment and that's that's where things really started with me. That's where the calling out here really started. And but. But what I didn't know was uh, there's just all this stuff under the surface of his life that was unaddressed. And I was profoundly disappointed by where, where his life ended up. And I, I didn't know what to do with it. Um, I was a, just a high school kid, and I didn't, I didn't know what to do. I didn't know what to think about it. Because on the surface, everything looked right. You know, like he, he, he knew the things. He was doing all the stuff. It looked cool. I was like, that's, that's what I want to be like. That's what I want. I don't know if you've ever been profoundly disappointed by somebody like that. I don't know if maybe you've even been just disappointed in yourself. The, the, the dangerous thing about authentic spiritual experiences is that it can act kind of like a smoke screen that keeps us distracted from what's happening under the surface. It, it, it keeps us from looking at what might be holding back the life of God in us. If, if we're just killing it at spiritual experiences, we can be fooled into thinking that we're doing just fine or that other people are doing just fine or this church is doing just fine. Even if our relationships and our interior life and our relationship with God is a total mess. On the surface, spiritual experiences can look like progress. But Jesus warns us with his parable that the life of God can get, can get um, shut down or crowded out or choked out by other things just beneath the surface. And so what looked like progress in our life or in the life of somebody else or in the life of a church, it springs up but then it just fizzles out and it dies. So a deep spirituality is vital, but it's not going to be enough. Say this with me. It is impossible for me to become spiritually mature if I remain emotionally immature. Emotional, immature, uh, emotional maturity is, is where we're going for the next few weeks together. Uh, this, that's the work of addressing things under the surface. And if you and I are growing emotionally, then the soil is getting cleared out so that a deep spirituality can flourish and really take root. And, and the life that Jesus is talking about, that, that picture that we have, that's actually what sticks. That's actually what remains. But this is going to mean a lot for us if we actually just talk about, like, what, what is emotional maturity? That might be a new term or, or thought for you. Um, and then what would it look like for both emotional and spiritual maturity to be at, at work in tandem in my life? So emotional maturity has to do with things like being able to name and recognize and manage our own feelings, to identify with others and have deep compassion for them, to be able to initiate and, and maintain close and meaningful friendships, to be breaking free from self-destructive patterns, being aware of how our past affects our present, 
being able to um, develop a capacity to express our thoughts and our feelings clearly, respecting and loving other people while at the same time not feeling compelled to change them, asking for what we need or want or prefer, and being able to do that clearly and directly and respectfully. To be able to accurately assess our strengths and our weaknesses and our limits and and being okay with sharing those things with other people. Learning the capacity to resolve conflict in a way that's mature and even negotiating solutions that are considering the perspectives of other people, not just barreling people over and getting our own way or shutting down and just being a doormat. Um, Integrating our spirituality with our sexuality in in a very healthy way. And, and being able to grieve well. Maybe certain things jump out at you on that list and you think, I am so far from that. Um, the, the, our, our source material, Pete Scazzaro's work of emotionally healthy spirituality, as I was preparing for this, um, they have some stuff on their website that was really great. And at the very top, there's a little pop-up that's like, hey, take this self-evaluation assessment for like where you're, you rank on your emotional maturity. And I was thinking it was one of those Disney things, like find out like which character is going to be your BFF or whatever. And I was like, oh, this would be great. And I take the test and it's like, congratulations, you are an emotional toddler. And I was like... Wow, thanks, Pete. Um, so um, maybe, maybe you look at that list and you just think, I am so far from that. Um, turn to your neighbor and tell them, the struggle is real, but you're not a lost cause. Yeah, good. We got to tell each other that. We need, we need that. We need that. So in the coming weeks, we're going we're gonna to explore what it looks like to live um, integrated. Integrity is the word. To be able to take steps towards emotional maturity so not just emotionally healthy not just spiritually alive but a deep integration of both emotional and spiritual health because here's the thing you don't have to be a christ follower to be emotionally mature i'm i'm sure in your life you've been able to see that there's there's people who have managed to grow emotionally healthy apart from christ Um, i'm sure you can think of a number of people in your life who they are more loving they are more balanced they're more civil than many christians that you know including yourself At the same time, I'm sure you know some Christians who have a deep spiritual life that you want to imitate. But if you get under the surface, they've got the emotional maturity of a three-year-old, including yourself. So say it with me again. It is impossible for me to become spiritually mature if I remain emotionally immature. Emotional health and spiritual depth They're really powerful on their own, but together, God could really bring about a spiritual revolution in our lives where where we're no longer stuck, where we're no longer plateaued, where the things that were springing up in our lives don't keep dying out. We're not suffering inside like one of those duns saying, maybe I just need to check out. Maybe this, this whole Christian thing is not for real. Maybe this is all just a sham and a waste of my time. Together, God, God wants to bring about this spiritual revolution in our lives, transforming the deep places of our lives so that we can be like that last soil, producing a harvest that's hundreds of times what was originally sown in us. And so if, if you and I want to accept Jesus' invitation to learn these unforced rhythms of grace, if we want to recover over our life, if that sounds good to you, then we're going to spend the next eight weeks exploring what it looks like to be rooted in renewal. 
Um, there's the, there's the, the slogan rooted in Oakland. I, I kind of borrowed and stole this a little bit, but made it about uh, spiritual transformation, what God wants to bring about in our life. We're going to be rooted in renewal here in this church community. This is, this is the picture where I go in my imagination with that last soil that Jesus told us about. That we'd be like this tree that's deeply rooted and thriving in soil that is healthy and the spirit can make the spirit's way into our life because we're permeable, we're accessible, we're uncluttered, we're, we're, we're free of weeds and thorns and things that could, that could compete with and choke out the life of God. That, that we would be becoming... Followers of Jesus who are learning to integrate a really vital spiritual life with a healthy emotional life. And my prayer is that we could become this together because um, we really need support and encouragement as we go through this. There's going to be certain weeks that are going to be harder for different ones of us based on our story and our backgrounds. And we're going to need each other to go, man, that one, that one kicked my butt. And to not shut down and, and isolate and just be by ourselves in that and, and just check out for a few weeks until we get to the next series. But actually go, man, that one was hard, but I think God's really talking to me. And I just need some other people around me who know and are praying for me and we're supporting each other. And then another week, it'll be somebody else's week and you can be there for them. But um, I just want to be clear, just because I have a microphone does not mean that I have already figured this out. Um, I, I actually wanted to get into this because I'm like, oh, good, I really need this. So maybe if I make a teaching series out of it, God will help me not be such like a screw up on the inside and, and, and everybody else can help me. Um, I, I see myself uh, with you guys that were like fellow traveling companions in this. Not that I'm an expert in, in any way. Um, I want to seek the renewal that Jesus offers to me and, and, and to you. And uh, we can't do this without each other. I can't do this without you. Um, I need you. We need each other. And I, I really believe that this season could deeply shape who we are as a, as a church community. There's been different things that have already formed who we are. I really have a sense that this is, this is the next thing that's going to form who we are, our identity as a church, and our ability to follow Jesus. And it's a, it's a season of being shaped. It really is a season. Um, if you think about the season we're in right now, the actual literal calendar season, the winter season is about this unseen work that's happening under the surface it's it's invisible it's unseen it's not the sexiest time of the year it's like the trees are kind of like becoming dead and bare and it's like Ugh, when's this going to be over and you could feel that way about a winter season of your own life Ugh, when's this going to be over and just push through it and rush through it but i want us to slow down because the spring season that we're looking forward to is directly connected to this winter season and how much we opened ourselves up and allowed God to do what he wants to do in our lives during this winter time underneath the surface. So my, my hope that it, my encouragement to you and, and I need you to encourage me in this too. Let's let's bring our whole selves to this winter season, because on the other side of it is this is this harvest and this spring season that we've been desiring. But let's bring our whole selves to this season, even if it's tough, even if even if certain weeks you're like, I don't know. So there's several, label, uh, several levels that we could in, engage at. And, and the more you put into this, I think the more you're going to get out of it. So there's the Sunday sermon level. And I'm going to do my best to create the kind of learning and teaching environment where you guys aren't just sitting passively and hearing. But we are actually talking some of the stuff out, maybe even trying out different life practices that can connect us to Jesus. 
There's that level. Then there's the personal learning level. Um, we've got three books that you could work from. Some of you have already picked up a copy. We've got uh, books here at the, at the table. There's First of all, there's the Emotionally Healthy uh, Spirituality book that will give you even more content than the Sunday, uh, Sunday sermons themselves. There's a day-by-day devotional, and I'm not always usually crazy about devotionals, but this one's actually been really helpful for me because it, it, it carves out time not to just read the things or answer a question, but actually to like just be with God, to just spend time with God. And so many times I'm like, oh, that, that's what I needed. I, I, I needed to connect with God, not just go through the motions of reading and, and filling out some questions. And then there's, if you want to go at the extra super nerdy level, uh, extra donut for you if you get the workbook, because uh, there's some great questions and practices in there that, to help you integrate this into your life. 